And the rest of y'all get your Bibles out and go to Matthew 16. Are y'all ready? Well, we got, I only have two hours of this service left. And the, and the visitors are looking and going, is he serious? Yes. Isn't God good? You know, um, my sermon's title called, I Want My Church Back. And I'm going to tell you where I got my title from. Um, there's, a lot, there's a lot happening in the body of Christ right now. There's a lot of stuff happening. Um, the church is changing for the good. God is turning, uh, turning it. And there's things that, that the church is going to have to start stepping its game up and doing things. But George Pearsons, uh, who, is, who pastors Eagle Mountain Church in, um, in Texas, uh, um, Kenneth Copeland's ministry. He was in South Africa, uh, I think a, a year ago or two years ago. And he was doing a minister's conference and he went to the Lord and says, what do you want me to do? I got, I got ministers out there. I need to go minister. And I got a book full of sermons, but I don't know what you want me to do. He began to pray and pray and pray. And the Lord spoke to him and he said something that kind of shocked George. He said, George, I want my church back. I want my church back. And, and George kind of like, excuse me? He said, I want my church back. Don't you think about the head of the church looking at a minister and saying, I'd like for my church to come back to me. Let me make a statement to y'all. The book of Acts is not a history book. It is the pattern. I'm building a, an addition to the house right now. Some of you have been out. Josh just came out. And we're building a new master bedroom because the house we're in was built in 1953. Now, we live on a lake. The, be- the view in- is beautiful. But-, but when you buy a 1953 house, it is what it is. Well, married to Lisa, I knew that I was going to have to get my saw out and a hammer and everything else. Well, it wasn't long that she went and had a new master bedroom drawn and, and a new master bath and a closet. You know, I can't talk Lisa into the fact that she doesn't need a hundred pair of shoes. She just wants to find a place to put them. So, and some of you ladies are in the same boat, you know. I told her one day, I said, you have a hundred pair of shoes? She said, I do not. I said, you most certainly do. And I counted them, 98. And she said, I told you it wasn't a hundred. I said, you're missing the point. So anyway, so we had a house drawn up. Now, here's the good part about my house. When the prints are drawn and the uh, air-conditioned guy comes, I just hand him the print. He's not allowed to change my house. The windows go where the print says the windows go. The doors go where they say they go. And the air condition goes where it says it goes. It's the right, it's the, and so we had calculations done and the right tonnage. And so uh, when, the, um, when the electricians came, I handed them the print. And, they, and I want the switches where the print says. When Jesus handed us the book of Acts, it's a blueprint. You're not allowed to change the windows and the doors. You're not allowed to change the print. But yet, the modern church today doesn't look anything like the book of Acts. What happened? We got in and decided we would help God. And I'm going to tell you why it happened. The only way you can have a church that's like the book of Acts is for the pastor to walk with God. Because the church is supernatural. I want you to think about this for a minute. You remember when the children of Israel went down to Jericho and he says, I want you to take Jericho? 
You can't find a leadership book where you shout laws down. It's just not in a leadership book anyway. You might get a jackhammer. You might get a little dynamite. You might do a lot of things. But there ain't no, only God would tell you to speak to the wall and tell it to come down. But if God tells you to speak to it, it's coming down. God is the one that decides how the wall comes down, not you. So let's, let's do another one. Children of Israel came out of Egypt. They got to the Red Sea, and, and Moses had to raise money for boats. What I'm describing is the modern-day church. Every time we get in a situation, we start thinking, how can we fix this problem? And we've created a church that doesn't look anything like the book of Acts. People don't get healed. You don't get pit. Devils don't come out of people. You don't see people. None of, you don't see it anymore. You don't see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. You don't see the fruit of the Spirit. And so it's just a, it's a social club. We have people who walk in this church who've been in church all their life, and they hate church until they come here. And they walk in and go, "Woo, we like it here. Well, that's because the Spirit of God's here. This is not a social club. You know, I pray in the Holy Ghost hours before I get up and preach. I don't, I don't just get up here and do this in my own strength. I got to have the mind of God before I do something. What do you want to do and how do you want to do it? And so that's, there, that's the fallacy. So the Lord says to, to um, um, Pastor Pearson, I want my church back. And the modern day, you can walk into church and they got music and they got lights and smoke and coffee. And you can walk in sick and walk out sick. You can walk in unsaved and walk out unsaved. But it should never have been that way. So having said that, I want to talk to you a little bit about the church the church you go to, and I want you to, I want to read. Everybody okay with this? I want you to believe with me for a strong move of God. I can't, I got born again in a strong move of God. I was taken to a crusade where I was healed by the power of God. The only way you were going to get me out of the streets was the Holy Ghost. I walked in a center. I got healed. Someone says, well, they paid you. They didn't pay me. I walked in, the Holy Ghost hit me, and I, all the dope devils left me. That's what happens when you get around a Holy Ghost. So I went home that night and rolled a joint to celebrate being saved. And the Lord said, you don't need that. And he made me throw all my marijuana and all my beer and all my playboys in a dumpster and my rock music and grab a Bible and come on. Now, when you see that happening, that, that man met God. If you don't see it happening, that man didn't meet God. He got religion. But when a man meets Jesus, everything changes when you meet Jesus. And that's, in, and that's what church is supposed to do. So I'm going to read something to you. Matthew 16, 13. It says, when Jesus came to the ridge of the Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do men say I am? Well, y'all, it really doesn't matter. And they said, well, some people say you're John the Baptist or Elijah or Jeremiah, maybe one of the prophets. He said, who do you say I am? Simon Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, let me make a statement to you right now before we get going. Christ is not Jesus' name. I watched a movie one time, and they were talking about Christ and Christ and Christ and Christ and Christ. His name is Jesus. The word Christ means anointed. Jesus, the anointed one. So I'm going to ask you a question, and don't, don't fall apart. If you're going to leave, pretend like you're going to the bathroom. Are you Christ? We got yeses and we got noes. 
What are you? Are you Christ? You better be. You say it all the time. I am Christ in. You, I didn't say you were Jesus. I'll come over here and preach. I asked you, were you Christ? Lisa, when she got married to me, was Lisa Leggett. Isn't that a terrible last name? It's just a Leggett. Would you like to be a Leggett? And then she married me and got a majestic name, Morgan. Lisa Morgan. But you know, the day she married, she identified with me by taking my name. When you got born again, you identified with Jesus. You took his name. My name is Daryl Christian. I'm a Christian. I'm in Christ. So when he asked him who you are, I'm you're the Christ. In other words, you're the Messiah. You're the son of God. And he said, there's no way you would know that without God showing you. Now, he said, now, because of that, and, and we've got whole denominations built on this scripture right here, but let me read it to you. And he said unto him, you are Peter, which means pebble, and on this rock, boulder, I'm going to build my church. What's the boulder? That Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, right? And, and now, listen to this. I will build my church. Now, let me make a statement to you, and this is where we're going today. There is nothing on this planet... There's not a devil, there's not a government that can take the church down. Amen. It has never been done, and it never will be done. Amen. Now, if, if that's true, that, you, that Jesus cannot be conquered, can you be? No. Correct, you cannot. This is where we're going today. I'm going to show you who you are. I want to show you when Jesus said, I will build my church. The, the, now listen to this statement. I made it last week. The church is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. The church is complete. Now listen to me as I say this, because I'm, I'm going to plow a lot of fields right now. There is nothing the world has we need. We don't need it. They need what we have and not the other way around. I don't need Starbucks to tell me how to run a church. I did for a while. I, I actually walked away from my heritage and studied leadership books on the world. And all it did was confuse me. Caused me to get in a spirit of confusion. I had to come back to the word of God. Now, I was in a meeting about uh, a month ago with John Maxwell, and he was having dinner with, an, with a CEO of a major corporation. And he said, John, you are one of the best leadership teachers I've ever met. Where do you get your material? And he said, you don't want me to tell you. You wouldn't believe it. He said, yes, I would. You tell me. He said, no, I don't know if I should tell you. He said, I want to know. He said, oh, okay, you going to be able to handle it? He said, yes. He said, I get all my material out of the Bible. Come, don't shout me down. The Bible is complete. It's not lacking anything. You don't have to have the Bible and the world. Everything that works in the world is a principle that came from grandma that she heard in church. Taught it to her son. Son went out and did a business. And everything in here, we were doing men's ministry yesterday. We were talking about godliness is profitable. 
financially profitable. You know what makes men poor? Divorce. The leading cause of poverty in America is divorce. 30 seconds of sex will, will take you to the poorhouse with the wrong person. You may want to count it before you. you this might be the most expensive thing you ever did in your life. You dummy. Boy, how did we get off on all that? And all the women are going, amen, preach it, brother. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not stand against it. Everybody's watching the internet and freaking out. Forget it. They're not going to impeach Trump. There ain't enough devils in hell to run him off. If God put him in there, forget it. I mean, they already killed one guy, but he came back. Jesus. I mean, see, the world's right now. You're freaking out looking at the world. And I'm telling you that if the church is complete, are you complete? Are you? Pop up there the scripture I gave earlier this morning. I want to show you something in your Bible, Colossians 2.10. I want to show you this. And I'm going to, I'm going to minister to you really good right now. You lack nothing to make it in life. That's awesome. Colossians 2.10, are you popping it up there or are you just? You are what? Say, I'm complete. Say, I have everything I need. You have all the anointing, all the brains. You have You are sitting here right now with everything you need for you to be successful and your kids and your grandkids and your family and everybody else around you. I told my boss one time, I said, when I went to work for you, your business is blessed because I'm here. I, you say, well, you, well you, you're arrogant. I said, no, I'm just being honest. Now, I'm going to read something to you. And I got this uh, from Mark Hankins, just in case. I'll tell you one time where I got it, and then after that I say I got it from God. When Jesus was raised from the dead, he stepped from the tomb, absolute master of death, spirit, and physical, in all of its phases, hell and all of its hosts, Satan, all of his works, sin, all of its consequences. He was the first of a redeemed, restored, victorious humanity. Let's stop right there. Do y'all realize that at Christmas, we are celebrating the incarnation of, of God? You, you need to think about it. God became a man. That's not a little thing to say. When you start worshiping a baby and saying he's Lord, that statement got Jesus nailed to a cross because of who he said he was. Now, you think about this. He's on the Sermon on the Mount, and he said, y'all heard Moses, but I said, you're either God or you're insane. I mean, if I just stood up here and told you I differed with, uh, with Kenneth Copeland, y'all would throw a fit. Smile and look spiritual. But Jesus is all humanity. He left all deity behind. Now, that's the reason why the church is in a mess. Because they think Jesus did what he did as God. He did not. He did it as a human. He beat Satan as a man. 
He had to be a man. And he was anointed as a man. Now listen as I read this, because this is going to make sense. He's the firstborn from the dead, the first man to enter the death experience and master it. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the undisputed heavyweight champion of the universe. Now think about that for a minute. That's a major title. But now why did he do all that? So that we will go, woo-woo. No, that's not why he did it. Who did he do it for? He did it for you. If he's the firstborn and he is victor, what do you think the secondborn looks like? Victor. What about the fourth? Victor. Well, I don't know what number I am, 1,275,000. I don't know what number I am, but I'm in the same lineage as Jesus. Woo. Come on, this is good preaching whether y'all like it or not. I will, when he said I will build my church, he's talking about me. I'm the church. We are the temple of God. He said, I'm going to put my anointing on Daryl and all hell can't defeat him. Say me too. Say it like you mean it. Me too. Now, folks, this scripture is not going to change in 2020 or 2030 or 2040. Come on, don't, don't, you know, I want y'all to start walking around like you own the planet, because you do. (laughs) I was having lunch with a businessman here in town, and we were having a steak, which is where I always ask to go when they want to take me out (laughs) and find out whether you're poor or not. And he said to me, he said, you're not like everybody. I said, do you want to know the secret? He goes, yes. I said, I'm full of God. He said, well, I knew something was different. <laughs> Aren't you? Aren't you? See, when, you, when you, you own the room. I was on a platform with Dr. Osborne and Kevin McNulty down in Byron Hill, Columbia, who was preaching to like 50, 75, 100,000 people. I don't know. I can't count. They just... As far as the eyeball can see, there's people out there. And Kevin got up and spoke, and when he got down, T.L. rebuked him. He said, Kevin, when you walk on that platform, you own it. You own this, you own this crowd. You take it for Jesus. Amen. Don't you ever get up there and just... <laughs> Come on. They'll call you arrogant. When you walk in a room, everybody ought to go, oh, who's he? Cinderella did it. (gasps) (laughs) I wonder when the Prince Charm is going to come in, everybody's going to go, oh. Never mind. TV. Ephesians chapter 1. You ready to rock and roll? You ready to get your whole world changed? From this day forward, you will never be the same again. I believe that. I believe that what I'm about to show you right now. Oh, I wish I had the time. I wish I had the time, Father God. I wish I had time. 
No, we're talking hours. You don't mean that. There's one place in the Bible that, that I, I, I've often wondered about. It kind of bothers me a little bit. It's Ephesians 2. I want you to look at this. Pop it on the screen. I want you to read this up there. And I want you to see it in your Bible. And you. I, I want you to understand that whoever wrote the, the, the numbers started a chapter in the middle of a sentence. Now, I'm going to give you my personal opinion. Stupid. Why would anybody stop in the middle of a and change chapters? But they did. And because of that, the, the magnificence of what he wrote has been lost. I want you to look and says, and you, and the word he made alive is italicized, which means they added it because the, there is no verb controlling that, that scripture. So they had to add a verb trying to fix the stupid thing they did by splitting a sentence in the middle and starting another verse and a complete different chapter. All right, so the point here is you and you. Don't forget that. Now go back to chapter Ephesians 1, and we're going to read uh, starting with verse 18. That the eyes of your understanding or your heart would be full of light and that you'd know the hope that he called you and the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him in his own right hand in heavenly places, far above principality, power, might, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And when you read that, this is the response that I get. Okay. What he's saying is Jesus is awesome. And we're going, we knew that. All right, now I'm going to read it because we've got to connect the scripture and you to this. Because this is not talking about Jesus. This is talking about you. So I'm going to read it correctly by putting and you back into it. I'm going to plug it in so you're going to read it right. Verse 19, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believes according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him and you from the dead and set him and you at the right hand in heavenly places, far above principality, power, might, and dominion, every name that is named, not only in this age, but that which is to come, and put all things under his and your feet, and gave him to be the head and you over all things to the church, his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all, and you. Yeah. Wow. Do you see that? 
the scripture is saying that when he died, you died. When he rose, you rose. When he sat down at the right hand of God, authority over all the work of the enemy, you sat down right there beside him and his victory is your victory. His death was your death. His resurrection is your resurrection. And he is the undisputed victor of the universe and me. And you. Woo. Man, that don't light your fire or your wood's wet. I will build my church. Say me. The gates of hell can't take you out. My God, when, the, when we rise up, there is a generation prophesied. Smith Wigglesworth prophesied it, Brother Hagin, that there is a generation before Jesus returns and they will know who they are and they will empty hospitals. We're sitting around going, help me, Jesus, help me, Jesus. And calling it Christianity. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. When I'm doing a better job than y'all are amening. What do you think, go to 2 Corinthians 4, 7. What do you think Jesus was doing on the earth for three and a half years? Training his disciples to do what he does. Is he the prototype of a new race? Why doesn't the race look like him? They hadn't been following the blueprint. That's the most astounding thing that ever happened on this earth. Is Jesus going into hell? Let me me just, it's not Easter, but I'm going to explain it to you people. And you have to come back Easter and I'll give you scriptures and back up what I'm about to say. I don't have time to prove it to you. When Jesus went to the cross, he did not just die physically. He died spiritually. In the garden, in the garden of Eden, God said, in the day you eat thereof, thou shalt surely die. The Hebrew word surely is the, Greek, is the Hebrew word die. He told Adam, die and you'll die. Dying spiritually, you'll die physically. That means spiritual death is separation from God. Adam separated from God. All right, when Jesus went to the cross, our problem was not physical death. You were dead in sins. That You were not physically dead in sins. You were spiritually dead, weren't you? So Jesus had to taste death, not physical death. He had to taste spiritual death. He had to become him who knew no sin. See, you didn't do sin. You were sin. Everything about you was wrong. You didn't have 1% good in you before Jesus. There was nothing in you any good until Jesus came in you. And you are what you are because he's in you. And you died and he rose from the dead and you and him are one person. So when he went into the region of the damned, he died and he cried on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The reason that Jesus was in the garden sweating great drops of blood was not the nails. It was be it was tasting the wrath of God. All the sin, God poured it on Jesus. 
All of it. You talk about a bad day, that's a bad day. You talking about trusting him to get him out? At the end of three days, three days later, God didn't raise Jesus from the dead until your sins were paid. If that didn't do it, he'd still be there. And he went down the region of the dam, and three days later, God says, Satan, what do you have him for? Now he has a man in hell illegally. First man ever died illegally in hell that had no sin. So it was the first man that the Holy Ghost could go into hell and raise him from the dead. Are you ready for this? He got born again. Just like you. Are you diminishing the new? No, I'm, I'm telling you what happened to you. So could hell hold him after that? Can it hold you? No. When I wake up, every devil goes, oh, he's awake. You too. Hell, hell knows your name. Knows your name. You don't know your name, but he knows your name. The Bible says resist the devil, he'll flee. He's scared spitless of you. If you'll ever rise up and go, I said. Now, here, now here's what this means. Is Jesus at the right hand of God? Is what he says, does it carry weight? Where are you? Does what you say carry weight? Yes. Yes. So he says right there in, in, in Matthew 16, whatever you allow. Now, let me make a statement to you. If you're a visitor here, you'll either never leave this church after a day or I will never see you again. <laughs> because this is the most misunderstood bunch of junk that the church has ever put out. Everything's happening, God. Well, if it is, he's got the world in a mess. <laughs> right? Why did Jesus get on to Peter when he was walking on the water and say, where's your faith? I went, maybe God made him sink. When the madman of Gadara came and the disciples could not cast the devil out of him, why didn't Jesus say, oh, this is the will of God? There's nothing that you're hearing in your church that you came out of that's in the Bible. It's all made up. Jesus rebuked him for not getting the devil out of that guy. He said, bring him here to me. How, now listen to this. How long have I got to put up with you guys? I was down in, I was down in the Bahamas. Lisa and I were passing out tracks. Was his name Derek? Or Derek something D? I walked up to this, this tall black guy, a little young man. He's got a beer bottle in his hand. And I walked up to him and I was very kind at first. I was kind all the way through. And I said, you know, I said, um, I'd like to invite you tonight and ask you a question. If you died today, where are you going to go? And he's got a beer bottle in his hand and he looked at me right in my eye and he said, you get out of my face or I will kill you. Well, God hadn't given me a spirit of fear. 
Not only that, I'm black belt in Taekwondo and you ain't gonna kill me anyway. I'll whoop you right here if you wanna go toe to toe, but you know, other than that, I'm not gonna be worried about it. But, but anyway, <laughs> I was younger. Some of y'all can't imagine it right now. You're like, I don't know how they he'll whoop you right now. Well, when you get over a certain age, you start carrying because you, you just realize that you just don't have what you had. So you need a little help. So I, I just looked at him and I said, well, apparently you misunderstood me. And I didn't feel to leave. And I just stood there and talked to him a minute. And I said, well, I'd like, you know, I'd like to pray for you and ask you. And I, and I talked to him about John three sixteen and all that. And he just looked at me and he growled. He said, when you get out of my face or I will kill you. Dexter. And I think I asked him three times, didn't I? Mm-hmm. And I asked him third time, and the third time he just, he, just, he just came up nose to nose with me. I will kill you. And I think he meant it. And I looked at him and I said, do you mind if I pray for you? <laughs> and he said, I guess. <laughs> and I reached up and I put my hand on his forehead and I said, Satan, Come out of him in Jesus' name. And I said, Dexter, would you like to receive Jesus as Lord of your life? And so help me, God, the beer bottle fell. Tears came out of his eyes. He grabbed my hands and prayed and received Jesus. Well, it wasn't his time. Yeah, it's his time. So I killed him. Are y'all hearing this? This is, this is the thing that the church has completely failed to understand. They've delegated everything to Jesus, but not to the church. I want to I read a scripture to you. Y'all ready? 2 Corinthians verse, chapter 4, verse 7. We have this treasure. What is he talking about? The glory of God. Where is the glory? The glory that was in the temple. The glory that was, that was in Jesus Christ when he walked the earth. Where is that glory? He, his desire was to move out of the temple into his church. And the church is the temple of Almighty God. Where is the glory? It's inside of us. We're walking around with the glory of God that raised Jesus from the dead living on the inside of us. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. Now, I'm going to say something. Don't get mad at me. You don't need Benny Hinn anymore. Benny Hinn is an evangelist. Let him pray for the sinners. Three quarters, if not nine-tenths of the people in the building are all Christians. Oh, boy. No, 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 no. That gets... Now, I'm going to tell a story, and I'm, and I'm not picking on the Catholics. But I got to tell you the story the way Jesus told me the story. And I know people always want me to pick, quit picking on denominations, so I'll just pick on all of them so I'm fair. <laughs> but I'm coming down the road one day, and the Lord said to me, you're, you're just like a Catholic. And I 
I said, excuse me. I said, that offends me. How dare you call me a Catholic? I don't believe that I got to go to a saint to get to Mary, to get to Jesus, to get to God. And I told God that. I'm offended. I'm offended. You called me a Catholic. And coming down the road, he said this to me. Yeah, but you preach they got to get to you to get to me. Oh, I got that off of TV. Come to my meetings, I'm anointed. Well, who are you? I'm working myself out of a job right now. You know that. So I pulled in the office. Secretary said, so-and-so called you and wants you to pray for his pastor. I said, who tell him to pray for his own pastor? And the secretary said, well, that's mean. I said, I just got chewed out and called a Catholic for that. Pastor, pray for me. Pray for yourself. You have the glory, you got the name. Who do you think you are? <laughs> Gerald Brooks is a pastor of a big church in, in, in Texas. And he told his congregation, he said, the only time I come to the hospital is when you're dying. And he said, because, you know, he's got, well, how many thousands of people? Three? Three thousand? Well, one day, um, Gerald walked in his office and his, his, um, the, the man that goes and does hospital visits, visitation, said, listen, I got something I got to do. Gerald, I, I got a hospital visit. Would you, would you make it for me? Gerald said, okay. He walks in the room and the woman goes, oh, my God. <laughs> Which means she's dying. <laughs> the only time he comes is when you're dying. <laughs> the, the, some of y'all are going. I think I'm getting it slowly. <laughs> he said, no, you're not dying. I'm just taking up the slack for somebody. We, we have turned preachers into, pu into puppets. It, it never was supposed to be this way. Uh, Lisa's got a brother up in Tennessee, and she's got about, he's got about 50 kids, right? They got, they got nine children. But you know what? At Thanksgiving... It's, it, it's awesome. One of them does the dishes. One of them cooks. One of them takes care of the baby. One of them folds the clothes. All the kids have jobs. You know, wouldn't it be nice if the church actually was like that? Yes. Hallelujah. I'm believing God. <laughs> I had a man call me one time and he, was, he came to my office. He was very angry at me. And I, I said, what's wrong with you? He says, you, you've really angered me. I said, um, what did I do? He said, well, you came in the hospital and you were laughing. I said, okay. I said, it's called the joy of the Lord. He said, well, I was not doing good and what I was dealing with was serious. I said, well, I was serious too. Because I'm going to laugh at the devil all the way to your hospital visit. And then I went in there and he said, all you did was lay hands on me and leave. I said, okay. 
did you get healed? And he went, yes. <laughs> he said, I thought you were going to read the Bible to me a while. All day. I said, why don't you read your own Bible? And your wife is sitting there. Have her read the Bible to you. Well, he left the church. He was mad. That's why Justin didn't want this job. You, you guys can be a little bit of a handful sometimes. Y'all know that. I mean, it was, I'm trying to prepare you before I come meet you in the hospital. So, so let me give you one more thing. When I come in, turn TV off. You're in there believing God, you don't need to be watching that trash anyway at home, much less in a hospital. Never mind, never mind. I'll come on here and preach. General hospital. Oh, they're dying. That's said, you don't need me. I'm out of here. Y'all ready for one more? Oh, my God, it's almost noon. I didn't even get my two hours in. <laughs> Where did I say that was? Matthew what a while ago? Listen, I want y'all to read this in your Bible. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to debunk another story. Are y'all getting this? Um, I will build my church. Folks, we're, we're the most powerful group of people on this planet. We can turn America around if we'll, get, if we'll get, on, get on our knees and start praying and believing God. It's the greatest nation on this earth. It's going to stay this way. Matthew, um, what did I say, 9, 6. I didn't give it to him a while ago. I, we said this in the last. What is it? All right, all right. Help me find the one where he fed the multitude. There it is. It's 14. All right. Matthew 14. I don't remember scriptures, but I have colors. It's green and yellow. <laughs> what scripture was that, Pastor? It was blue. <laughs> if you're a visitor, we'll turn you loose in a minute. You can get out of here. You can escape. 1413, and listen to this. When Jesus heard it, he departed from there. No, I don't read that. Go down, to, go down to 14. When Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude. He was moved with compassion, and he healed their sick. And when evening, his disciples came and said, This is a deserted place, and the hour is already late. Send the multitude away, that they may go into the village and buy themselves food. I want you to look at what Jesus said. And Jesus said, they don't need to go away. You give them something to you. Now, now, now let's, let, let's read it without religious glasses. Who did Jesus tell to supernaturally feed them? The disciples. Didn't he? Now, listen to me. Jesus didn't feed that multitude. The disciples did. So what did he do? He blessed the bread, broke it, and handed it to them. What's he doing? He's training them. He's trying to teach them to do what he does. You are a supernatural man. You operate in the supernatural. If you go into the world and start learning how they do it, you're going to come back defeated because they don't have the glory. Are y'all out there? Everything we do in here, 
When we started off this morning, we started off talking about the tithe. That is a supernatural way of increase. It's, it does, it's not natural. It's only for you. And the world can do it. It's a law. It'll work. There are things that Jesus wants done in the church. You remember the scripture says, are any sick among you? You're not even supposed to be sick. We got a long ways to go before we get back to where we're supposed to be. We're not where we're supposed to be yet, but we're going there. Is it possible for us to act like Jesus this side of heaven? It most certainly is. I can't tell you the times that I've had angels appear to me in India, getting me out of a mess or one down in Mexico. There was a boy in the Bahamas, and I, and I called and I gave an altar call one night, and he came up, and he was about this tall, and he had drowned that week, and they dug him off the ocean, and he was paralyzed on the left part of his body, and he came up to be born again, and, he, and his left side, his eye was closed, and Okay, he said, I said, I said, would you like to receive Jesus? That's sad. He's just a boy. So I prayed the sinner's prayer with him, and then I laid hands on him. God doesn't have any hands except yours. That's all, you're the, that's all the hands God has. And I reached out, and I just laid my hands on him. And I cursed that paralysis in Jesus' name. And I left. I don't I didn't. I think it was a year or two years later. I came back. It was Marsh Harbor. Very distinguished young black man, about six feet, three or four, walks up to me. And he said, do you remember me? I went, I don't think so. He said, do you remember the boy that drowned? I said, yeah, I do remember that. He says, that's me. He said, when you left... I begin to recover. Folks, this is not because I'm a pastor. Come on, y'all. I'm 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 trying my best. We need to spend more time talking about the king's word is law. Your words are law. I won't have that. Now, before we close, I want to do something. Go back to Matthew 16. Let's close with this. I want to show you something. I got a lot of scriptures here, and I'm not going to get to them. But I've already opened up a can of worms, and and I'm going to have to prove what I'm about to say. This This is so different than what we're hearing, but it's absolutely true. Uh, Matthew 16, 19, I will give you the keys to the kingdom. Who has the keys? You do. And whatever you bind will be bound, and whatever you loose will be loosed. What are you allowing? Well, don't shout me down. He said what you allow. I said this in the first service, and I'm going to tell this in one more story. Norval Hayes, for years and years and years, prayed for Zona, his daughter. She had warts all over her hands. Now, you're, you're talking about a girl in high school, pretty girl, and she's got warts all over her hands. Well, that's... All over her body, but, but you, she could cover those up. But all over her hands 
were, were these ugly warts. Are you after my wallet or my? I'm you. You're fixing me. Okay. All right. Well, thank you. Brother. That'll, I, need a, I need a pumpkin pie for that. Imagine that interrupting my sermon right now. Just. <laughs> so she's got warts all over her hand, and he prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. See, how many of y'all have done that? I've done it. I've done it. We pray and pray and pray and pray. Nothing happens. Well, it must not be God's will. So one day the Lord said, Norville, Norville, how long are you going to put up with those warts on your daughter? What a weird thing for God to say. And Norville said, God, that's what I'm trying to talk to you about. But Jesus said, whatever you allow. Now, you'll have the church criticize you. Oh, you're one of those burn around boss and God around. Last time I noticed, warts weren't God. If, if Jesus wanted the mountain there, he wouldn't have told you to move it. I mean, he gave us the earth. If you, there's a mountain, you say, well, you like that mountain? I don't like that. Well, then move it, son. Unless you get married, you're going to be moving a lot of stuff. Honey, I don't want that over there. I want that over there. The worst thing that ever happened, one day Lisa's mother came in and says, I don't like that tree there. And I said, shut up. <laughs> you go home and talk to Bill about your trees. Come in my yard and start telling me to move trees. I'm already married and you ain't my wife and leave my trees alone. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to get into family affairs. <laughs> she was backing up to the front door and we had a tree there and it, could, it was blocking her from getting water. Well, you go somewhere else to get water, but my tree's staying right in my front yard, honey. Yeah, not moving my tree. So let me tell you another story. Well, well, Norville took authority over the warts, and the warts dried up. Maybe not instantly. I don't, well, I need some time here, Father. Okay. Years ago, well, how long was it? Where's Che? How old were you when we lived in Cathwood? Four, five, four. Che, che came home one day, poison ivy. I mean, all over her body. I mean, nose, eyes, underarms, everywhere. She's just covered in stuff. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to practice my faith and pray for her healing. I prayed all day. Nothing happened. I prayed into the night. Nothing happened. Two in the morning, two o'clock in the morning, I got mad and, and I chewed God out. I said, let me tell you something. You, you promised to heal my daughter and you didn't. And I'm, I'm just having, I'm ranting on God. And he ignored me. Just like he ignores you. And finally, I said, God, I, don't, I, I'm, I apologize for my attitude, but I don't, I've prayed all day. And he said these. He said, I never promised to heal your daughter. Well, that, that'll mess your head up. When, how many people did Jesus pray for? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He never prayed for anybody. He spoke to it. He took authority over the disease. How God anointed Jesus and had the Holy Ghost power, went around doing good and healing all the oppressed of the yeah. devil. Acts 10, 38. All right. So he said to me, if you want something done about it, you do it yourself. Now, you understand, that's craziness in my ears. But I just got saved. I was still dumb enough to believe God. I hadn't been to church much. And I went upstairs, opened the door, and I said, Poison Ivy, I curse you in Jesus' name. And I closed the door. What am I doing? I'm using the name. But where's the glory? inside of me. I woke up the next morning, long story short, she's totally healed. Now, I tried it after that, didn't work, and I started learning something. Your faith grows in increments. 
Some of y'all are trying stuff and it isn't working. You didn't go from first grade to fifth grade. You went from first grade to second grade. Start where you are. If you want the gifts of the Spirit, operate them in the shower. Not in church. Because half of it's going to be you. But if you keep practicing after a while, you'll learn the difference between you and God. And you'll get good at it. I know this sounds crazy. You start praying for people to be healed. Don't worry about the fact that some of them die. You just keep doing it. They were dying anyway before you got there, so don't worry about it. Todd White spent, what, a year and a half praying for people and never got anybody healed, but he didn't quit. And he kept reading and praying and reading and praying. Then he started getting minor things healed. What's happening to his faith? His faith is coming up. The glory is released through your faith. Now, watch him on YouTube. He just walks up and speaks to people's backs. He's increased. Are y'all out there? Are y'all getting this? Because I just changed subjects and went into another sermon completely because I didn't want to leave you hanging. Line upon line, here a little, there a little. That's how Jesus did it. He turned water into wine. God was training Jesus for the cross. The first person he prayed for that died was only dead an hour. The next one was dead a while. The third one, he said, don't even go there until he's smelling. I don't even want you to touch him. Because he's getting him ready for him to go to hell himself. So God is increasing his faith. Boy, I'm preaching way better than y'all. Okay, I'm, I have to stop. And I don't, I don't know. I, you know, you just stop. Jesus said, I'll build my church. Say, that's me. He said, the gates of hell wouldn't stand against it. Say, that's me. He's talking about me. If Jesus is victor, then the, then the body of Christ must be victor. Paul's writings were to show you how powerful you are, not how powerful Jesus is. Well, you want to know how powerful he is because if he is, then you are. Now, the more you learn this, you can't just hear me and walk away and go, wasn't that wonderful, just a fantastic job, and never think about it again. This won't work for you. you got to open this up and start reading that and studying it and going, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I've got authority. I don't have to put up with stuff that's been going on in my home. I don't have to put up with rebellion. I don't have to put up with drugs. I don't have to put up with sickness and poverty. I don't have to do this. And if you'll read this over and over and start schooling yourself in faith. Faith is caught, not taught. Wow. You ready for me to pray? Heavenly Father, I have taken, I have opened up the Bible and I've poured my heart out today to to explain something that the church has had, seems like a difficulty with. But there's so much more in this book than we've ever taken advantage of. And there have been men who've walked the earth that have done some of these things. And we just thought they were super duper people. But we're all super duper people. I'm sitting in a room full of sons and daughters of God, Father. 
I'm sitting in the room with your church. We're your church. And there's stuff going on in our lives. I pray that we would walk out here today and go, I'm not putting up with that. We're not going to do this anymore. We're going to have a better life. Father God, if they didn't get it and it was a little strange to them, I pray that they'd shelf it and that you would begin to help them to understand it and grab a hold of this. But the ones who got it, Father, I pray that their life, their, their finances would change, their health would change. Let's quit sitting around praying and asking you to do what you already finished. When you, when you, put, when you put the glory in us and you made us more than conquerors and you made us victorious and we are your church. We're the church. Hallelujah. Hey, devil, we're the church. We're the church, devil. I don't know who you think you are, but I'm the church. <laughs> and Father, I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.